The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Martial arts. How do we like your martial arts? We like them. Man, that shit's yeah! a little different with it being Friday, July 7th, and it being International Fight Week and all. And yes, I know why you're all here. You're here for a preview of Power Slap 3 tonight. Yes. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, that's right. I know why you're all here for a preview of UFC 290. It goes down tomorrow at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. The weigh-ins wrapped up a little while ago. The two title fights are a go. All the fights are a go, but there is one hiccup on the scale. We'll talk about all that more as we welcome you to the UFC 290 live preview show here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Hack being joined by the dynamic duo. First, the wise wordsmith himself, Deputy Editor Shaheen Alshadi. What's up, Shaheen? How's Phoenix right now? It's like the surface of the sun, but I'm feeling that Casey scream in my bones. That got me pumped up for this. Let's go. (laughs) And yes, my best friend, the king of the north, as Shaheen likes to call him, Alexander Kaylee. What is up, AK? Look at that haircut. Zach Morris ain't got nothing on you. So fresh. I'm going to put up a poll. (laughs) What is what is the poll going to say? Is Alexander Volkanovsky the featherweight goat with a win at UFC 290? Oh, man. All right. Well, Shaheen's already shaking his head. I have a feeling we're going to go back to this. And look, let's just start here because this is the Super Bowl week every year for the UFC. Stuff happening all week long in Vegas. There's the expo, meet and greets, fighters everywhere. And then it culminates with the pay-per-view event. And while this fight card... Maybe lacking a bit of star power. There is a lot to like about this card. The main event is my favorite fight on the books for 2023 thus far. I love the co-main event. It's flying way under the radar. 
And there are a lot of interesting questions heading into Saturday from more of a hardcore fans perspective. So AK set the table, set the scene. My best friend, give me the gymnastic score for UFC. Oh, two nights. I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, again, just to give people, I don't know why I'm never prepared for this. Just to give people sort of a frame of reference, the much maligned 289, I think still, I think still for me came in like an 8.6. And everyone was crapping on that card. And, you know, again, on paper, they they weren't wrong. It wasn't, and even in execution, it wasn't like a super great card. Um, so I have to go higher than that. I do think this lineup is stronger. You're getting two title fights. You're getting two title fights in two really good divisions. You're getting fights with, I think, have plenty of stakes. Um, we're getting Robbie Lawler retirement. Jack Della Maddalena is fighting. We've got some sleeper fights that could be like, you know, that could steal that fight of the night award. This is a, this is a solid nine. I won't go higher than that, but this is a nine. This is a solid pay-per-view. Again, not the best pay-per-view car we've ever seen, not the worst pay-per-view car we've ever seen, but it's solid. It's, it's right where it should be, and I think worthy of, well, I don't know. It's like whatever, how much you guys have to pay in the U.S. now to, to get these things, but um, it's if you were to, you know, if, you, if you're only buying whatever, half the cards this year, I think this would make the cut. I think this would make the cut. So I'll give you. I'm going to go with nine. Gene AK is giving us a potential A minus, I guess, if we're doing nine out of 10, 9.0 out of 10. How do you grade this for an international fight week card? What's the the Shaheen Al Shadi grade stamp reading on the piece of paper with these fights on them? I, I'm almost stunned to hear AK's analysis of this. If you're going to buy half the 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 pay-per-views of the year, you you maybe would get this one. I mean, certainly you would. This to me feels like, if not the best card that we've gotten so far this year, at least one of the best, right? Like you look at the 10-fight run, starting with the the very early prelim headliner with Tatsuya, uh, Tayara. I, can't, I can never say the name, but you know who I'm talking about. That's 10 fights in a row that, to end this card that are just spectacular. That like really, there are really... Good storylines, good good sort of narratives, good stakes for all of these fights moving forward from that point on. Like this is a really solid international fight week card. You know, it, it maybe it doesn't match up to some of the the all timers like a UFC one eighty nine or something like that. But like if that's the standard we're going to hold this to, a lot of cards aren't going to match up to it. I, I I could give this a nine out of ten. Like I am really excited for this card. I have been for a while, and I agree with you, Mike Heck, that that this main event has been probably my most anticipated fight of, of 2023 for a while now. And I'm really intrigued by a lot of the stuff we have going on here. Yes. That unification bout, which we're going to talk about right now for the UFC featherweight title, Alexander Volkanovsky looks to defend his title. Once again, he's back to 145 after coming up just short in his bid to win the lightweight title in February defends against the dangerous interim champion, Yair Rodriguez. So Shaheen, I want to go back to you. You obviously share my enthusiasm for this fight. And and I think I love it so much because mo- most people, when I say this, they're like, well, what about Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje? Like, we know what that fight's going to be. Those two guys are just going to beat the hell out of each other. It's going to be a car crash. But in terms of mixing the martial arts, you add in some intrigue and a bit of mystery. When you throw some ice in that tin and you shake that thing up, it seems like it's going to be a delicious tasting beverage, is it not? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I am so deeply intrigued by this fight. And I have been since UFC 180 or 284 when we saw Yair Rodriguez and the great leveling up that we have been waiting for from this man for so, so, so long. And I'm intrigued. I, I, I'm excited for this fight for two reasons. One is exactly what I just said. What Yair Rodriguez has become is, is it, he has reached a place that I was unsure at certain points in his career that he would ever reach, right? Because you remember this guy coming out of the Ultimate Fighter Latin America, the first Latin America winner, 
he felt like he had all the promise in the world. He felt like he was this ultra dynamic, almost like a John Jones-esque type of prospect. I wouldn't go that far, but just similar to the way that young John Jones was throwing stuff out there with reckless abandon just to see if it would work. The, all the spinning strikes, all just the, dyna, the again, the dynamic movements. That was sort of who Yair Rodriguez was. And we 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 expedited him, right? He got he got to that Frankie Edgar fight, and then he he very much fell back down to earth. And then things just got really weird with him, right? Like <laughs> since mid 2017, he 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 has that come to Jesus moment with against Frankie Edgar. It implodes ever all the hype. Then he gets cut from the UFC in 2018 briefly because of the whole Zabit Magomed Sharipov thing, whether he would accept that fight or not. Then the flukiest of all fluky victories possible with the Korean zombie one. He loses all of 2019 with the Jeremy Saga, Steven Saga, which was so dumb. And then 2020, again, just injuries, the, the silly USADA whereabouts suspension, loses to Max in 2021. And then waste kind of all of 2022 with with just that one fight against Brian Ortega that was kind of like a nothing burger, right? It was it was almost this weird lost era of Yair Rodriguez where it felt like he was going to evolve into this this real ultimate contender, and then he didn't. And then all of a sudden that man showed up against Josh Emmett, and we, like we just saw against Ilya Taporia, it's really hard to put Josh Emmett away. And Yair Rodriguez did in such tremendous fashion. Again, the great leveling up. He and from that moment on, from the moment he did that to Josh Emmett, he was the most intriguing contender to me in this 145-pound division if you're not going to count Max Holloway. And obviously, Max's situation is different. But that also ties into my other aspect of this fight that I love so much, which is it has the potential. And I won't say that it will, but it has the potential to sort of be the great unlocking of this featherweight division. Because for a while now, we have been stuck during this Alexander Volkanovsky title run in sort of Alex versus the old guard, right? Like Alex versus the guys who were already there, the guys that Max fought, the guys that we already sort of know who they were. This fight to me represents potentially the next step in this in this both this title run on a, on a run that could become one of the great title runs of all time but also just the the unlocking of this featherweight division where after yeah Rodriguez, if we don't you know islam is always out there and i hope the ufc doesn't go back to that well so quickly so that's the caveat to this but if alexander volkanovsky gets business done against yara Rodriguez, he wants to stay active there is now opportunity right in Ilya Taporia. maybe we get a mozar of maybe we get any of these young up-and-coming featherweights sort of in the mix now that sort of is what is next, and that to me is is what's so exciting because that's what makes great champions, right? Anderson Silva was so great because he defended his title against so many different eras of contender. George St. Pierre, so many different eras of contender. Jose Aldo, so many different eras of contenders. That's sort of what we're waiting now on Alexander Volkanovsky, and this is sort of the beginning of maybe that next era of contender for him to fight, the new blood, the fresh blood that he's been calling for. So I love every aspect of this fight from all the angles. And you're right, Mike, I have absolutely no idea what this is going to look like. I don't know <laughs> if Yair Rodriguez is just this super demon now com compared to what he, he was a few years ago. I'm so deeply intrigued. I can't wait for it. AK, a, a day away from this fight. Since this title run began, Volkanovski has been... Please stand up. Somebody come forward and, and be the guy. Be the, the number one contender. He's been asking for this. He's been asking for someone to emerge as the no-doubter challenger. And now he's got one with Yair because they put the interim title on the line, which I had no issue with. So you, you've seen the enthusiasm from Shaheen. Do you match that enthusiasm for this fight? 
I mean, I don't know if that's possible. Shaheen's Shaheen's through the <laughs> roof with this, but um, but yeah, no, but no, but I I am glad it is Yair. I'm glad he's getting the shot. He's he's one of those guys. It would feel like we we missed out on something if he never got an, an undisputed crack at it. Because you know, interim's great, but you want to see him get that shot undisputed uh, undisputed title. It would be like if Dustin had never got a shot at the undisputed lightweight title, or Justin Gaethje never got like. It's cool that they got interim titles. They got those big fights. They've had plenty of big fights in their careers. But you always want to know that these guys got that shot at the top, top, top title. And regarding the whole thing with Volkanovski, like, you know, for years saying like, ah, I need guys to step up. Like, yeah, year, I think was, I really believe was one of those guys he had in mind when he made that statement because uh, because we have that, you know, Max Holloway being this litmus test who's stopping guys like Yair, stopping guys like Arnold Allen from making it to Volkanovski. Um, I think, you know, Volkanovski was always thinking like, man, like, like Yair is a guy he'd want to fight, but he's not quite there. Arnold Allen's a guy he wants to fight that's not quite there. And sure, Yair did not pass the Holloway test, but it was a great fight. Anyone who goes back and watch that fight, clear win for Max Holloway, but not a fight where Max Holloway just like blew Yair Rodriguez out of the water. It was a great fight. And, and I, I don't think I'm the only one, or I, I might even be stealing someone else's thoughts here, saying like that loss to Holloway, it was unfortunate because it did, you know, directly derail his path to Volkanovski. But if you watched it, you saw like a version of a Yair that you could see like, oh, this guy does belong up there in the top three, the top five. This guy belongs up there with Holloway. He belongs up there in Volkanovski. He is not out of place in the title picture. So again, the result is always going to go down as a loss there, but I think he gained a lot. And then, yeah, you had that weird Brian Ortega fight, and then he just looks so amazing against Josh Emmett. So uh, it's it's somewhat fortuitous for the UFC that they were able that Yair was able to work his way to it, and also they were able to find a path where it makes sense. I don't see a lot of people complaining, saying like, "Oh, Yair never got past Max. Why is he getting the tele shot?" I think most of us are relieved that he doesn't have to do another contender fight to get it. I think we're excited. I think having the interim. Listen, we kind of we kind of poop on interim titles all the time, but there is something cool about this being a uh, uh, unification bout. It's great that year got to have that custom belt made. That custom belt is so 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 sick. Love that. So Love that. yeah, listen, we we are getting yeah we are getting the best title defense that we could get for Volkanovski right now. Are there other challengers? Yeah, people talk about Ilya Tapuri. I'm sure some other names. Most are Voyev somewhere down the road. Great, want to see those fights happen someday. But the one I think that's has the most urgency right now and one which i think stylistically people see as a super compelling challenger for volkanovsky is yair so uh, i like the live dog aspect i like the you know what does it mean for volkanov's career if he has an impressive performance against yair i like all that stuff i feel like um again barring anything you know uh unfortunately happening because some weird foul we're gonna have a very very satisfying end to uh, international fight week yeah, great, great point about the the custom made belt because Shane Rodriguez just seems to have a lot of buzz about him right now. Mexican MMA is thriving. He's still a bit chaotic, but I think a lot of people feel, and you've been said it yourself many times, that that Josh Emmett win that was the leveling up for Yair Rodriguez when he won the interim title. Just this incredible dynamic unique striker taking on a man in Volkanovsky who just seems to answer all the questions we have right because when we went into the Islam fight we had questions and while Volkanovsky was kind of thwarted on the ground he held his own better than most expected he would against Islam Makachev and Volk always has a great game plan he always seems to have the right bodies with him in the gym not to mention his incredible ability to just change things up on the fly so Shaheen there's mystery and intrigue, and we don't know what the hell is going to happen here. But you being the wise wordsmith, what is the biggest question you have about this fight? 
from a stylistic perspective, what could go down tomorrow? What's the biggest question you have that when it's all over, you're like, man, now I got the answer to the question I really wanted to know. That's a really good question. And for me, the biggest question ultimately, and it comes down to what I was just saying, is this the moment, right? Is this the moment for Alexander Volkanovsky where things end? Is this the, is this the moment where things fall apart? Because this moment happens for everyone. All great champions eventually reach this place where we all think they're unbeatable. They're, there's no way anybody's going to stop them. Who, who could possibly end this title run? And then someone does it, whether it's a Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman situation that comes out of nowhere, or it's a Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva situation that ends very violently and, and you know quickly. The end comes for all at this sport. And Alexander Volkanovsky has been doing this a very long time. I'll look this up really quickly. He's 34 years old. In the lighter weight divisions, man, 34-year-old is is pushing the the it was pushing the envelope, really, right? Like that that is when things start to sort of get shaky, is you get that mid you hit that mid-30s point. Champions in the lower weight divisions from 155 downward just do not have reigns that last into their late 30s, into their 40s. And Alexander Volkanovsky looks tremendous right now. His last fight, I mean, a lot of people feel like he beat. One of, if not the pound-for-pound pound best person in the entire sport. I, I would still right now in my current pound-for-pound pound rankings have Alexander Volkanovsky number one. So I'm not out here predicting that Alexander Volkanovsky has fallen off. But it will happen at some point. And we're reaching the point where that could happen at any fight just randomly out of nowhere. And especially when you're getting a guy like a Yair Rodriguez who seems to be hitting such a prime of his career, having so much momentum going into it. The custom belt is such a, a silly aspect to this, and I, I, it doesn't actually play into the fight. But I, I will have to say I, I do love when the UFC does these sort of things because they do them so infrequently and so rarely but it does feel a little special, right? Like that belt was really cool looking and it just it adds an element to all of this of just, again, the momentum that it feels. Maybe Yair Rodriguez is that guy. Maybe Ilya Tapori is that guy. Maybe Mostar Avloyev is that guy. Maybe someone else is that guy. But eventually someone will be that person for Alexander Volkanovsky. They will be his Leon Edwards. And this will end. That's my biggest question. Is that this moment where we're seeing Alexander Volkanovsky, we finally see him lose in some capacity, obviously a, a heavier man, a, a bigger weight class, but we've seen him lose now. We, he is now mortal in a way that he was not before. Is it going to be two in a row? I don't I don't know. I don't think so ultimately, but it wouldn't be shocking if it was because, again, the end comes for all and it comes usually right around this point in time for a lot of these lower weight champions. AK, what's your biggest question about this fight? How old was Max Holloway when Volkanovski finally, you know, top, toppled him and said, God, he's still so young. I was, yeah, I was trying to think because he was right? because <laughs> you, you were bringing up all these sort of like not passing of the torch but sort of the the dethronings that we didn't necessarily see coming but uh for some of these great champions but happened because because max holloway i would put in there i think max holloway was on a pretty good run it's not that max ever felt like invincible but even when um when when it, he faced off of volkanovsky the first time i don't know if people assumed like oh well this is you know there was a ton of respect for Volkan, who's on a, on a huge winning streak and i but i don't know if anyone was like oh yeah this is about the time that max is gonna get you know fall off and uh, listen, he had ended up having to fight Volkanovski three times, and it just feels like he's never going to get that featherweight title again. And I don't know if that happens to Volkanovski on Saturday. I don't know if Yair is his, you know, if this is Yair is the Volkanovski to his Holloway, as it were. That's a little, little confusing to put it that way. Uh, but it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. It feels like Yair, it really feels like he's peaking at the right time. Um, so that age factor is just huge. Um, because, because other than that, like, I don't have a lot of questions 
about how how Yair is going to approach this. There's no there's no like oh he's going to have championship jitters because I think 284 was a huge opportunity for him. Like it's it's not it's it's not I wasn't the undisputed title, but it was a title fight. It was a big pay per view. It was in front of a large crowd, um, and he, and he's grown up in front of our eyes, which is a huge thing too. He's not he's still relatively young but he just he feels seasoned he feels he's, he's at that right mixture of experience and um and skill and talent and and it's all just it's all just coming together right when he needs it so yeah man again i, I don't have a lot of questions about the the yeah, year side i guess i guess it's more focused on volkanovsky um can he still maintain that level of focus and concentration now that he like kind of had he kind of had that taste of you know going up to lightweight is he is he eyeing a move back up there um, no matter what happens, and if so, uh, it, it could that be detrimental to him in some way? But uh, but regardless, I expect both guys to be so mentally on point on Saturday. And again, for us to get a top shelf featherweight contest, probably goes five rounds. Um, yeah, and again, I honestly don't have a lot of questions for either guy. I'm just really, really jacked to see them throw down. Yeah, Volk's gonna be 35 in a few months, and Shaheen, you brought something up earlier. I just wanted to see how you think this is all gonna go because this is a guy who wants to be as active as he's ever been. He wants to be as active as possible. He wants the biggest fights possible. And John Anik, when I spoke with him before or right after UFC 289, he basically had this theory, and I think a lot of other people share this, Volk doesn't seem like a guy that's going to be fighting in his late 30s. He wants to just pile up names and pile up wins and pile up accomplishments and pile up paychecks so he can retire with his wits about him and hang out with his family and cook delicious food. Now, this week, Volk seems to be kind of all over the place in terms of what roads he can take because he did seem interested in fighting Ilya Tapori next, potentially fighting Aljamain Sterling if Sterling beats O'Malley and moves up. But there's also people out there who believe he might just say, you know what? The old guard is done. Let's let the new guys go. I'm going to vacate, go up to 155 and just take a shot up there. Maybe the BMF title, that's something he mentioned this week. Maybe get another shot at Islam if he wins the BMF title. If Volkanovsky is victorious tomorrow night, do you think he does stick around and fight an Ilya Teporia, or do you think, you know what, I've done enough here, let's conquer something different for the last, you know, piece of my run here? I hope so, man. I hope so. I really badly hope so. And I, I mean, I, I won't repeat myself too much because I know we've talked about this on our various shows, but now is not the time to sort of run back this Islam situation. It made sense earlier in the year when they did it because you're right. There wasn't a clear cut contender at featherweight. If you weren't going to throw Arnold Allen in there and sort of the lightweight situation was figuring out itself out as well. And it just, it felt like a really good moment for it, right? Volkan had done enough to be able to earn that type of opportunity to become that two division champion to run it back so quickly would be doing such a disservice to both of these divisions. Now where we are, there is a pecking order now that has developed at lightweight and featherweight where we have contenders now we have compelling fights we have compelling stories and as i said and again i'm not going to repeat myself but this is how you become legendary is you defend your title over and over and over again through the eras of competition it is so much more impressive to be anderson silva than it is to be henry cejudo right like henry cejudo two division champion can't take anything away from him but he didn't really defend either of those belts that many times and he ultimately left before that sort of long era 
coalesced around him whereas we still can we still revere guys like gsp anderson all these guys who sat around john jones even who who sat around and did the damn thing over and over and over again even when they were bored even when it didn't feel like they had a challenge in front of them they still went out there and defend their title because that is the hardest thing to do and this featherweight division is just so good right now man like i know we talk about lightweight and bantamweight being the two best divisions in the sport but featherweight is right up there and there is so much young talent right now that i would love to see get the opportunity and that goes speaks to something that you just mentioned, Mike, which I think is a great point. The way the tenor of Volk's conversations this week and the way he has spoken about his career, what's next and sort of what's left, it is very clear that, I mean, this is a very smart man who has incredible self-awareness, right? Like you can never say that he doesn't ha- isn't one of the more self-aware champions we've ever seen. He knows what we're exactly talking about today. He knows that he's about to be 35 years old and this division is not kind to older or to men in their in their late 30s. He, he can tell that he wants to do this now. This is the moment if he's going to rack up these titles and become just an all-time champion. This is the moment to be able to do that. And, I, and you can sense it within him. So I hope. I know, I know after this fight that he's going to campaign for the lightweight situation. I hope the UFC pushes back on that a little bit and says, hey, we have a guy right here, Ilya Teporia, incredibly dangerous, super impressive. Let's do that instead. And we, we go down this road of just a couple more title defenses here at 145. That's my hope. Uh, I'm not sure if it happens. I, again, I, I know this man will push very hard for that Islam rematch, but I hope we can, we can put that off for a little bit to let these title defenses accumulate, if he does win, of course. We'll get to the picks in a moment, but AK, you have put up a poll, and I know this conversation just pisses Jen Mishu off to no end. Oh, What's not the poll just saying? Him, not just I'm gonna him. Do it. But, but if Alexander Volkanovsky wins tomorrow, and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to go out there and say it. But is there a case to be made for him to be the greatest featherweight of all time? What's the people saying? What are you saying? If he wins tomorrow and does it impressively, is there a case to be made for him to – Eclipse Jose Aldo is the best featherweight of all time. The people have spoken. I'll end the poll now. I'll, I'll, I'll end the poll. No, you know, I'll let it, well, it's not going to change that much. I'll end the poll now. The people <laughs> have spoken. 61%. Yes, he will be He will be the featherweight goat with a win. Uh. <laughs> I, I'm also curious. I'm also curious if there's people who already think he's the featherweight goat and, and the, who, who voted yes and just like, oh, he'll, you know, this is, yes, this will cement. So that doesn't, this isn't, this poll doesn't necessarily mean like, only after tomorrow, it could be people who already think he's he's the greatest. There's a case to be made. I won't be the one to make it strongly. Um, there there is a case to be made. His resume is super strong. Again, Shaheen is right. I we're we're from that era where it was just so awesome to watch the Andrew Silva's, the George St. Pierre's, Demetrius Johnson's, John Jones defend the title so many times in a row, just so many televised against all comers. It wasn't always the biggest names. It wasn't always like, oh, why? It, you know, sometimes it, there's a couple of mandatory challengers in there for Anderson Silva and GSP. There's a couple of very forgettable title defenses in there for Anderson and GSP. That happens. That happens. That's part of being a champion for five, six years, for uh, having seven, eight, nine straight title defenses. They're not, Demetrius Johnson as well, I told him in there, people always criticize his competition, which I I think is a little overstated, but certainly like all other champions, there's probably one or two names in there where you could like, okay, well, what does that mean that that guy got to fight for? And that's fine. That's fine. Um, but those are the legends. Those guys are legends for a reason. Uh, if they had had the option to take, you know, a super fight go up, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure we could talk about Jose Aldo wants to fight Anthony Pettis, right? That would have been great to see. Again, Anderson Silva, George Spear, dream match. People want to see that. And, and that's cool. And, and that would have enhanced their legacies in a different way. But that's like, again, that's, 
you know, I like to deal in sort of what we have and not what we could have had. And what we had was, again, the most legendary, unbelievable runs that still stand to this day. And any top 10 list has Anderson Silva, DJ, George St. Pierre. Not, as Shaheen mentioned, probably not Henry Cejudo, probably not guys like that. I mean, you can make case, but the resumes are just so – it's so difficult to compare them to the, the guys who won these long runs. So um, so regarding Volkanovski, again, if you look past – again, if you don't just include the title ones, he has a really strong – Resume anyway, right? Because Jose Aldo was before he won the title. Chad Mendez was before he won the title. Um, so th- th- those look like you, you sort of count those at, among his greatness. Again, I won't make the case. I won't make the case. I think a year if he wins, again, another awesome name. Uh, I was going to mention Islam, but that's 155. We're only talking featherweight. I do wish, you guys say all the time, I do wish he'd had more that like he didn't have to fight Max three times. Um uh, you know, you you wish you'd see a different challenger in there, but there's also something to be said about going 15 rounds with you know uh, the one of the the other one of the three the three the three horsemen, as it were, of the um, all time great featherweight in the fe- all time greats in the featherweight division. So uh, I I again I I would need someone to tell me that they that they like that they were aware of what Jose Aldo did before knocking him off. I would really need to believe if, if, if you, t- if you're telling me like you follow Josie Aldo's career closely, you're aware of the stature of his opponents at the time when he fought them, what his run meant, and you still want to put, make a case for Volkanovsky and, and you're going to go from that way. That's fine. If your argument against Aldo is just like, well, that was, you know, whatever, that was uh, some of that happened in the WC. Um, how good are some of his opponents in retrospect? That's not an argument I'm willing to hear. Cause again, the context of Josie Aldo's career is so important. Watch the, you, there, there was a dam, right? Was I on it? I was on it. There was very much. This is the thing that happened, right? And I think I was on yes. it anyway. It was a better what? Watch the dam. Watch, listen to the dam. They were good about Josie Aldo. We break it down pretty clearly why his resume stands the test of time and probably will for a long time, and why guys like Wolkanovsky and Holloway, as as magnificent as they are, still have work to do to pass him. So, uh, so, so to answer the question, yes, there's an argument, um, but but no, I I wouldn't agree with it. Fair enough. All right. I hate this so much. Oh, I hate geez. it. You, wanna, you, you didn't, you didn't like wanna, the fence. You want to chime in? You want to chime in or you want to move I mean, on? I, I want to chime in just to say how much I dislike this and this element of sports media that, and especially, mm. I mean, it's not even just <laughs> MMA, but it is a lot MMA, right? Like, like we're seeing this right now with in the NBA, like sorry to tangent this a little bit, but Bill Simmons just had a great riff on this on his on his latest podcast about how people are calling Damian Lillard the greatest blazer of all time. And that's just obscene and ridiculous if you actually have a sense of history, right? There are Damian Lillard is awesome. He's he's one of the best hundred basketball players in the history of the game. But he's not the greatest blazer of all time. He's never even won a conference finals game. Like at a certain point you have to have some sense of the history that you're talking about. And we have the memory of a goldfish collectively at MMA. Like this is absurd. Jose Aldo was the greatest featherweight in the world for um, for more than six years. Like, and, and he beat pretty much everyone possible during that run, during his prime run. And he did it consistently and he did it violently. And he just de- generally was insanely impressive. Alexander Volkanovsky is awesome. We don't need to anoint every single champion who gets two or three title defenses as the greatest we have ever seen just because we can't remember the things that happened more than three years ago. Like it's it's so ridiculous. There is a, a massive distinction to make between best and greatest. Alexander Volkanovsky is probably the best featherweight of all time. He very much is. Like he's the most all-around complete, just best 
athlete, best like best fighter that we have seen in this division at 145. He's not the greatest. There is a big difference. And, and to conflate those is just, again, to do a disservice to everyone who has come before and sort of laid the foundation of this division. Alexander Volkanovsky, if he continues to win, will probably end up being the GOAT, but he's not there yet. And the rush to anoint everyone as the GOAT is just so tiresome. How many conversations do we have to listen to that Kamara Usman was the greatest welterweight of all time? And now all of a sudden, where's that Where's that gone? Where are the people saying that? No one's saying that anymore because it ended. You, you can't forecast something that hasn't happened yet. Kamar Usman could have been had he not lost, but he lost. So that's the end of it. Like, it's just ridiculous. I hate that we have to do this every single Volk <laughs> title fight because it diminishes Volk's title fights. Like, it diminishes what we should actually be talking about, which is not, hey, is he there yet? Is he there yet? Is he there yet? Like, let's let this play out. And then once it's done, we can talk about whether he's there yet. It's ridiculous to just continually do it in the moment every single time we see this guy fight. That's all. Hey, listen, four years ago, we did it every time Max fought too. So there you go. We 100% did. We 100 After Connor won at, at, at UFC 194, I think it was, people were doing it then. Is Connor the greatest featherweight of all time? He has like seven wins at featherweight in the UFC. Like, we're going to start doing that. Like, it's just endlessly, yeah. endlessly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it's, I mean, look, I understand why people get annoyed by it. I think there are important conversations to have. I never, I never thought Izzy was close to being the best middleweight. I never thought Usum was close to being the best welterweight. I do feel like of all these conversations we had recently, outside of maybe Charles Oliveira, when he was on that ridiculous run, I think Volk's the closest one to being in the mix. I think he's closer than Usman. I think he's closer than Izzy. He's in. I, I think there is a at least a conversation to be had. I'm with both of you. It's Jose Aldo at least for another title defense or two before we can really start having the conversation, having a debate about this. But I think he's closer than the other guys we talked about, but time for picks currently, according to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, which by the way, if you set up a brand new account using the code, the MA hour, you get a sweet little dealio Volkanovsky, big favorite minus three seventy five, but money has been coming in on the underdog. Yaya Rodriguez who comes back now at plus two eighty five. Shaheen is this Volkanovsky getting another title defense or is this Jair Rodriguez shocking the gambling community and getting it done and the changing of the guard becomes a thing. Oh man. It's so good. It, there's just so many questions still so much mystery in this for me. It's so hard for me to pick against Alexander Volkanovsky, right? Like he, everything I just said, regardless of everything I just said, he is still the number one pound for pound fighter in the world, in my opinion, in this in this sport right now, currently. And I have he has given me no reason to not believe in him, despite the age, despite you know, everything that we're talking about, whether his focus potentially is on Islam Volkan or Islam Makachev and, and another 55 run, and it's truly on Yair, all of it. Alexander Volkanovsky goes out there every single time we see him and he answers whatever questions and criticisms everybody else may have, and he does the damn thing and he puts in work and then he leaves as champion almost every single time we see him. It's just so hard for me not to default to him as impressed as I was by Yair Rodriguez and as intrigued as I am as, as the ceiling of Yair Rodriguez, right? Because I feel like we don't, we still, we have seen the ceiling for Alexander Volkanovsky. I think that's safe to say, like we have seen the best version of him and from here on out, maybe we'll get slightly diminishing returns if, if nothing else. I don't feel like we've seen the best Yair Rodriguez, but the best version so far was incredibly damn impressive against Josh Emmett the last time out. So I don't know, man. I, I have to default to the champ. I have to default. I 
did I just I just got a bug landing on my head. That was interesting. Uh, <laughs> I saw that like happen to me in real time. I have to default to Alexander Volkanovsky. I think he gets it done. I think he continues this run, and I hope that we get more t- featherweight title defenses after this. I'm taking Volkanovsky. I'm taking it by a decision. I could see this being maybe a four to one style decision, three to two maybe, but those three are pretty definitive. And Yair has his moments, but ultimately it's and still when we leave and this incredible run historic run continues for alexander volkanovsky okay what are we gonna do here are you going with your name are you going with your fellow alexander here yeah i have to i i, I think volkanovsky is pound for pound skill for skill the best fighter in the world so when i pick against yair it's not any indictment of yair at all i think yair i think this we're gonna get the best version of El Pantera that we have seen yet. And again, he looked pretty fantastic, 284. But I think the version we see on Saturday will be even better. I think he's going to give Volkanovski a real tough fight. Just He's going to be in it for 25 minutes. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's, I don't necessarily think there's any area that I trust him to completely outwork uh, Volkanovski and to just straight up beat Volkanovski. And again, maybe he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Right? We are talking a five-round fight. We are talking the 10-9 must-scoring system. You know, you can you can win a fight without like you know being super dominant, right? You can still just eke out a win. But I just don't see that happening. There's there's so few flaws in Volkanovski's game, and all the five-round experience. I think that means a lot too. Even though we have we you know we've seen Yair go five rounds every times two, or at least be booked for five round fights, right? He's fought in main events, but I think uh, the the level that uh, Vol- Volkanovski is competing at for twenty five minutes, the guys he's fought in those kind of fights, is just a little bit sharper. So the age definitely has me concerned. It it's it's it seems like it is the time where Volkanovski might slip on that proverbial banana peel with all these hungry one forty fivers coming for him, and maybe y- Yair is uh, is the guy to um, is the one who's going to be able to take advantage of that. But uh, I have to stick with the chapter because I do think he's the best. Until I see him lose, I'll probably going to pick again. I'm probably going to pick him for forever after he wins and then fights Toporia. I'll probably still pick Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great fight. But I got uh, Volkanovsky by decision. I think this fight is going to be incredible. I think it should be lined a bit closer. But that certainly doesn't change how I view this one. I think like Michael Cole says vintage insert name all the time when he calls WWE matches and. I think this is going to be a vintage, like four years ago, Volkanovski type of performance, maybe three years ago. It's going to look a lot like the second Holloway fight to me. I think Yair will win a round or two early. I think Volkanovski will make some adjustments. He will gain some momentum. Yair is going to land some shots. He's going to prove to be dangerous. We might even have a 2-2 going into the fourth round and we get sort of an iconic between rounds face-off a la Lawler McDonald with the bloody Volk and a bloody Yair, and it's just going to be great, and Volk's going to continue to battle. And then we go into that fifth round. GC and I are in the watch party with New York Rick on the edge of our seats. About 30 seconds into the round, Yair throws something insane, but Volk ducks it, takes him down, gets on top, and just starts lighting him up, pounding away at a battered, tired, but an incredibly game Yair Rodriguez and whoever the referee is will step in about 90 seconds into round five, fifth round TKO win for Alexander Volkanovsky in an incredible war where Yair Rodriguez's stock goes up immensely despite getting stopped in the fifth round. This fight's going to be great. And I just kind of put that out there. Like Shaheen said, I have no frigging clue how this fight's going to go down. So The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That's the main event. I do want to touch on the co-main event. Brandon Moreno looks to defend his flyweight title and exercise some demons from his past in the process against Alexander Pantoja. And boy, oh boy, Shaheen, in terms of casual appeal, storyline, things on this card that fans and people are talking about, this one is not getting enough love considering how great this fight looks to be on paper. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Pantoja is the one guy in this featherweight division that I have been the most excited to sort of see enter into this title space. Like you look at sort of what we've been doing at, at 125 here for really the last like what, three, four years with this Figueredo versus Moreno uh, tetralogy that we ended up getting. Pantoja was low key, like the, easily the biggest loser of that whole situation because he has been more or less the number one contender off and on for like two or three years now at this point. And he's sort of that guy who had the claim, right? Like he has the wins over Moreno. He had the wins over, over Cara France. Like he just generally has been sort of the, the man in waiting. And I just wonder though, I, if this fight happened two, two years ago, I would have picked Pantoja and I would have done it confidently. I just wonder now, and I hate to almost like go back to the same thing, but it applies here as well, where like if Alexander Patoja wins this fight on Saturday, he will be the second oldest UFC flyweight champion of all time. And, and really the oldest, just like right behind Figueredo, right? Like this is the exact same thing that set up that we were talking about with the main event, where like I almost just wonder if he missed his window having to wait for these other two dudes to figure out who was better between themselves and Moreno and Figgy. Because Pantoja was there and he was ready for this opportunity for, for a long time now. And he almost like kind of aged out of it. That's my one worry with this is I wonder if he sort of missed his window. And now at 33 going on 34, it's just kind of like he, 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 Tony Ferguson did. He just kind of missed the gate for him to be able to walk in and become a UFC champion. I don't know. I'm, I'm not as certain he has looked good recently, but man, I have, I have massive questions going into this, whether this is just the one time we're going to see Pantosha just come in here and suddenly look just that half step slower uh, than he used to. 
Yeah, and obviously both guys are different fighters from the two times they fought. And Brandon Moreno was on the MMA hour, and Ariel sort of asked him about this fight and kind of gave a cliche answer. But in this case, I truly believe everything Brandon Moreno is saying. I'm the better athlete. I'm in my prime. And even though Pantoja's beat me twice, he has not seen even close to the best version of me in either of those two fights. And he's probably right about that. So, AK, your thoughts on the co-main and... I feel like this this is a hardcore delight, man. This is a hardcore fan's delight, but it is getting Bo Nickel is getting more talk than this title fight right now, and he's fighting a newcomer. Yeah, we we maybe uh not just missed the window on, you know, Pantoja like being uh, not fa- I don't know if he would have ever been favored, but being uh, thought of uh, having a better chance to actually win on Saturday. But yes, I think we might have missed the window on promoting this properly. Um Sure, it's still been the storyline this week. Everyone knows the guys two, these two guys fought before. Once the Ultimate Fighter, once actually in the UFC proper, everyone knows Pantoja is two up on him. But it's weird. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of heat there. It doesn't help that both guys are super respectful. You don't see Pantoja kind of lording this over him. Um, but I do feel like the UFC, I mean, that's their job, that they could have done more with with really pushing this. And I'm sure we'll get a great fight night promo. I don't know if they'll release the cold open early. Maybe they released the cold open for the show tonight and you're going to kind of get a taste of it. But everything with this international fight week, Jose was saying uh, on the Wayne show earlier, like it's felt low key. It's just felt like they haven't quite the promotional, like they've kind of been stuck in first gear with everything promotional wise, even the hall of fame, some of the stuff out of their control. Anderson Silva not being there. Very strange. Uh, Rob Lawler's retirement, I mean, I'm glad we're talking about it. I still feel like they're not pushing that enough. It just feels weird that I know when the day comes on Saturday, we're going to get some great video packages, things like that. But you wish you'd seen more of that on Monday or or even before, like on the last UFC card. Like this stuff, They should be making a bigger deal. But that's kind of the story of Flyweight, right? Flyweight never seems to be getting its due, even when they have a storyline handed to them with Brandon Moreno and the guy he cannot beat, Alexandre Pantoja. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm glad this, this fight is still getting, I think, proper attention from the hardcores. But, I mean, if you ask a, if you ask your average person, they probably don't even know there's two title fights. They probably know about the, the main event. Maybe they don't know there's a flyweight title fight going on. And that's a shame because Brandon Moreno is a star. Alexandre Pantoja is a really exciting fighter. And this, 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 for me, I could have made another pay-per-view. I know they don't have that much faith in the fly in the flyweights, but this, this for me could have, could have easily been the headliner as well. Look, yeah. AK, I mean, how, how are you going to have time to tell a story like this when you, you have don't this big slap event coming, man? I mean, come don't on. do it. You, you, know, you got to promote across so many levels, right? Dude, you look at the UFC's Twitter account. Do you know what the pinned account, the pinned tweet is still right now, this whole entire international fight week, hall of fame ceremony, giant card, all of this. Nah, man, it's it's Wolverine versus Hints. Is that is that the person? I don't know who the I Pegasus. Like it's some sort of. I'm not hearing any American gladiator name. Flat for Titan. cash versus versus yeah, <laughs> Titan from American Gladiator. Like that's still the pin tweet on the day before International Fight Week, the day after this this emotional Hall of Fame ceremony. Like, oh, I mean, so you, you think they're gonna have time to tell this this story of this co-main event? Come on, man. It's incredible. Upsetting. upsetting. Very upsetting. But AK, you, it was nice to see Brandon Royval as the backup. You have said all year long this could be the year of the Raw Dog. Weighed in at 125 successfully. You may get the winner of this one. Probably more so, in my opinion, if Moreno wins. I think if Pantoja wins, we might do Pantoja Amir Albazi, maybe in Abu Dhabi. I think they'll try to get that fight on the books. 
If not, I think we'll get Moreno Royval battle of the Brandons. But right now, Shaheen, Brandon Moreno, despite being 0-2 in his career against Alexander Pantoja, the minus 205 favorite, comeback on Pantoja plus 175 again. Even though the window may have been kind of left in the past, it seems like the line should be a little bit closer here, Mr. Alshadi. Who gets this one done? Is it Brandon Moreno? And true or false, if it is Brandon Moreno, will he get his custom-made belt wrapped around his waist in the center of the octagon? Right? Like, why can't we just do custom belts for everybody? I love that. Um, Me too. I, it's, it's, it's such a weird dynamic in this fight, right? Because if you actually go back and watch their fights, their previous two fights, like, neither of them are close. Like, like the first one you could maybe throw out the window because Brandon Moreno was so incredibly raw on the Ultimate Fighter. Like, he was a shell of who he would eventually become. But even the one, like, a couple – like, what is that? Like, three, four years ago? Five years ago? It's like 30-26s across the board. Like, it was a very, very dominant fight for, for Pantoja. It's just hard for me – to look at sort of what these two men have become currently, right? And the, sort of the, who they are coming into this, where it just feels like, again, the window, man. It feels like Brandon Moreno is doing an upward trajectory and Pantoja maybe is starting the decline of his. And they're just meeting at the perfect moment for Moreno to get the one uh, a la Izzy Pereira, second, the second fight, the, the most recent one, to sort of get his moment to, to conquer his boogie, boogeyman, to sort of do it on the biggest stage and really uh, and really prove to people that he can beat this man. So I, I'm picking Moreno. I think this is going to be competitive. I could see an, I, I see another decision in this one, a five-round war, but ultimately I think Moreno wins three to two, four to one, similar to how I view the main event. And he sort of puts to bed this narrative uh, that he can't beat Pantoja. But, man, if this fight happened two years ago, I, I think I would probably go the other way with it. Oh man, AK, what do you think, Moreno and Still or Pantoja going three and zero and getting a shiny new belt wrapped around his waist for his troubles? I think Shaheen was on the right track, but I think we might be closer to the first Adesanya uh, Pereira meeting than the second one. I I think Pantoja has this guy's number. Um, yeah, he's a bit older. Yeah, Brandon Moreno is a better fighter than when they first fought. You could even argue. You can even make the case that his his developmental arc has been more impressive than Pantoja. Right? Maybe you could say, well, Pantoja is you know very much the same, not the same, but has you know improved incrementally since his first fight with Moreno. And Moreno has like improvement has like skyrocketed. You can make that case again. It's not like a tangible way to do it, but I'm sure if you examine both guys' fights, you would say Moreno is clearly more different than Pantoja is um, from from that the that first official meeting in the UFC. But I don't think Pantoja is anywhere near like being done even if he's trending downwards i just think there's i think his finishing ability is so is so dangerous i think you might see moreno winning until he isn't i think this is my my prediction is that uh moreno will be winning on the cards either the first two rounds or two of the first three rounds so this ends either in the third or the fourth and then batelja just catches him with something maybe on the feet and hurts him and then finishes with uh finds finds like kind of a club and sub Hurts him, finds an opening for submission, snatches onto it for dear life, squeezes with all the all the fire of a guy who has been waiting so 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 long to get a title shot, and uh, and hands uh, Brandon Moreno a, a, another title defeat. So, and I'm not saying Brandon Moreno can't get it back and doesn't fight Pantoja a fourth time somewhere down the road. I don't think we get an immediate rematch like we did with uh, with uh, Adesanya and Pereira, but I think this if they I think Moreno could beat him someday. But I like Pantoja to win this, win their first title fight against each other. And by the way, how dare we rule out the possibility? We, we were talking about Brandon Royville. How dare we rule out the possibility that 
God forbid, something happened to one of these gentlemen before fight night, and Royville has to step in. What are you doing? And by the what end, are you doing? And by the end of by the end of Saturday night, Brandon Royville is the UFC flyweight champion. I'm just saying it's possible. I'm just saying. I'm just wow. saying. I'm just that saying. is just not. I mean, you're supposed to be the <laughs> prince of positivity, AK. What is this? Uh, this is. If you're a Brandon Royville fan out there, you're loving this. You're super positive right now. So you just throw in you're Brandon to get Royville the Joe Soto, this Joe Soto route. It's like, like it's his year. I don't like it at all. It's his year. Wow. Uh, I'm going Moreno here. I just feel like he's at his best right now. Even if he loses rounds, there's just such a difference in his demeanor. He's not getting down on himself. Well coached. He's got safe sight. He's got safe in his corner now. He just finds a way to get it done. He's out there being violent and vicious. Like when he says there's two sides to Brandon Moreno, there's the fun-loving family man laughing and giggling. Ah, man, Brandon Moreno. And then there's the guy when the cage door locks who just becomes an absolute animal. And I I feel like that dude's going to show up. I think he's taking this thing personal. He'll never say it in an interview. He won't sit there and talk trash. He's not going to talk about Henry Cejudo. He is focused on the task at hand. He's taking Pantoja very seriously. And Pantoja's look great, and he should be getting the shot. And I wish, like Shahina said a couple times, that this happened two years ago. But my pick is Brandon Moreno by decision. I could see Moreno maybe getting a stoppage in the championship rounds. I think it's just kind of a game of inches, and I just think Moreno is just going to win rounds by a nose just enough, uh, where it's like a 49-46 type of fight but still more competitive than if you just looked at the scorecards and didn't watch the fight and you're like oh moreno just ran him over no i don't think it's gonna be like that but i think moreno and his athleticism and just ability to adjust and the coaching and all that i think he will just slightly get the edge in a lot of these rounds uh and retain the title and then he can go fight brand royville okay doing it right not on a day's notice we'll do it right but before we get to the peeps Let's do something fun here, gentlemen. We're not going to do the low-key banger because I feel like a lot of this card is under the radar. Shaheen, I'll start with you. Outside of the top two fights, let's get a hot take or a bold prediction for any other fight on this card. Shaheen, what you got? Oh, okay. I mean, I wasn't prepared for this at all. Uh, Let's get a hot take, huh? Man, I don't even know. I don't. You know what? I don't have a hot take for you. I just want to talk about Robbie. Can I go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah first please, please, please. I thought, I thought you were going to say Brandon Royval steps in and wins the title. No, listen, okay, that's not even a hot take. Are you going to predict GDP winning? No, no, listen. Uh, my best friend, I thought you were about to like, I thought you were reading my mind because sometimes we are on the same wavelength. And I thought you were immediately just going to kind of tee me up for uh, my suggestion here. So I'm kind of cheating because I'm not picking one fight, but I am going to say. We have three short notice replacements on this card uh, who all stepped in ranging anywhere from, I think, a little less than three weeks notice to two of them coming in like literally this week. Under, as expected, they're all massive underdogs. Val Woodburn, of course. Uh, I don't. I know. I know. Uh, Bo is like my, plus twenty, uh, minus twenty five hundred. I'm saying underdog plus thirteen hundred underdog for Val Woodburn. This is going by sorry topology, not DraftKings. Plus six twenty five for Jos- Josiah Harrell, who's fighting Jack Taylor Madalena, and somewhat under the radar. Plus 400, Terrence Mitchell, who's stepping in to fight Cameron Simon. I think one of these short notice underdogs is going to win. You could probably throw Edgar Chirin. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of in a weird situation because like, he's not, re- he's not technically replacing someone. Though I guess he is because Tyrus was supposed to fight two weeks ago. Sure, Shiraz, uh, how's he? How's he looking at the odds? How's uh, uh, Plus 675. How's Shiraz looking at the odds? 
against its attack. Plus, oh wow, really? Okay, I'll throw them in there too. One of these massive underdogs, I think, is going to win. I, I guess everyone would just assume Mitchell. If you were going to pick, you would say Terrence Mitchell could beat Cameron Simon. Um, it's actually a little surprising. I think that Terrence is such a. I know people think highly of Cameron Simon, but he's so young. I'm a little amazed. He's such a massive favorite. But I'll go. I'll say it. One of the, something weird is going to happen. I don't think all these massive favorites taking on short notice opponents. I don't think they're all going to win. I don't think you could just parlay those four guys and and you know throw whatever ten grand on there and and make make some money. I don't think that's going to happen that way. So I would definitely recommend don't do that. Uh, my bold prediction is one of these short notice replacement guys uh, wins, and it might not necessarily be one of the more live ones. So there you go. Wow. I know. I like pretty it. vague. Pretty vague. Pretty broad. Take, take yeah, it a step I'm, further. I'm, I'm, Call your shot. Call your shot. Who? Which one's it going to be? Yeah. Uh, I'll do it. I'll say, oh, so bad. Oh, uh, I'm so excited. Oh, Josiah Harrell. I'll do you know it. what's? I, I wish I had the guts. You know what's so funny? I wish I had AK? the guts to say Val Woodburn, but like I have so much faith in Bo Nickel, and I've seen a bit of Val. And Val's like, I'm, he's not a terrible fighter at all, but I think he, I just don't see a world where he beats Bo Nickel. Like a plus twenty five hundred. Uh, sorry, minus twenty five hundred nickel for me almost isn't high enough. Um, but I'll go. I've heard a lot of good things about Harrell. I've heard a lot of good things about Harold, and uh, I I give JDM credit for um, taking this match. I mean, I know he wants to stay on the card, and I'm sure it seems low risk, but boy, these these kind of guys can come out of nowhere, and I think someone's gonna, like I said, someone's pulling off this upset. It could be him. Wow, I love it. We almost right. had a friends forever moment, AK. I'm not picking Josiah Harrell to win, but my bold prediction was he was going to give JDM the business in this fight, and. Hmm. JDM would, would hold on to win, maybe even get a late finish, but Josiah Harrell is really good, super athletic, really good wrestler, and it's just a stick of dynamite, man. Like, this guy just doesn't stop. He's coming off of a fight and was back training, like, the next day. This dude doesn't stop training. I'm not expecting a any gas tank dump or anything like that. Maybe some jitters early on, but this dude is just explosive uh and i think this is one of those fights where this is gonna be like a david onama type situation where onama may not have beat mason jones but he got a lot of respect coming out of that fight going up a weight class and giving the big favorite some fits and i kind of feel like that's what's going to happen here i am picking jdm to win but there's a lot of people who just feel like eh, jdm's gonna win first round knockout moving on to the next fight i don't think it's gonna be that easy i really don't I could be wrong. I could eat my hat. Uh, I'm not going to do that either. But I think this fight's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty damn competitive. I think JDM will win because he's the bigger fighter. But Harrell's an exciting talent. The UFC has had their eye on him for a minute. It's not like this is just a random phone call. They've been eyeing this kid for a while. So maybe he he just (laughs) throws, maybe tackles JDM right through the octagon door, just like he did with his LFA fight a, a month ago. Shaheen, what's your uh, what's your bull take? Or if you want to just call us both and say, and go right ahead. I mean, I certainly will do that. I, I love you both dearly. <laughs> um, I consider you both very deep personal friends, but you're you're very wrong on this. Like JDM's going to do work all over this fella. I'm sorry, that's just sort of the reality of this. Like Harold's Harold's a good prospect, and I'm intrigued to see how he's going to do once he sort of gets a UFC run proper. But he's also a lightweight. Like he's not. The, the, you you sort of glossed over the size aspect of this, and like JDM is pretty much the most exciting welterweight prospect we have going right now. And I it would it, it would 
be a giant shock to me if a lightweight came in here and in here and sort of as you said started giving him the business but we'll see i mean it's on record now so if if uh, if i'm wrong i'll tell you i'm wrong but i'm curious to see now you guys got me even a little more intrigued in that fight uh i would say my bold take it's not very bold but at some point the Stone Cold Man himself on, on Saturday. At some point, the rock of all rocks, the most fearsome, ter- terrorizing man that what, that we've ever really seen in this division, in this welterweight division, he will shed a tear. I, I, I think Robbie Lawler at some point on Saturday night will we'll get a little emotional and it'll get me a little emotional. And then all of a sudden our MMA fighting slack is going to turn into like a, a place where a lot of people are cutting onions and there's a lot of dust and maybe a haboob bl- blowing through. Because, man, like I, I am just so... It's it's a bummer to me how little this has been sort of a discussion point for this for this week of just the the farewell of this man right because Robbie Lawler is like one of the true 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 OGs of this sport left like there are not a lot of guys left from this era right of the militage crew like running running roughshod all over the the american midwest just scourge of that era one of the first like real true u.s sort of born teams that just just demolished everyone and they're raising and pillaging everywhere they went like robbie lawler's continued defiance of, of father time frankly is just incredible to me the fact that we're still talking about this man 23 years after he he started this whole damn thing you you Put up any Mount Rushmore ever of the most violent, most brutal dudes to ever lace up these four ounce gloves. And there are two men who are going to be shoe ins on it Robbie Lawler and Justin Gaethje. Like, like, you can figure out the rest of that list, but those two dudes are forever going to be on it. And, and Ruthless Robbie is really just like a one of one, right? Because, like, whatever, if you were around back in the day when he first sort of made his debut and he was that that young kid from the Militich team who everyone had really high expectations for him, and then something happened and he sort of ends up in Strike Force and he's piddling around in Strike Force. And there was like a four year stretch there from around 2009 to 2012 where he's just kind of plodding around the middleweight division. Losing to random guys, losing to like Lorenz Larkin and whoever, and it just felt like it was over. And if you would have told me back then, in 2010, 2011, that you're looking at a first ballot UFC Hall of Famer who's going to put up, who who like his best stuff is still ahead of him, who is going to give us three fights of the year in a row, three consecutive years, which by the way is still the only person to ever do that in the history of MMA fighting. Like we've been around for a pretty dang long time throughout the history of this sport and this website, and no one has won three consecutive or put on three consecutive fight of the years like Lawler did from 2014 to 16 with Hendricks. McDonald, Condit, the latter two of which are two of the greatest fights of all time. End, stop, period, end of sentence right there. Like what Robbie Lawler accomplished just throughout his career, lasting as long as he did, but also just in that second act that no one really saw coming is magic still today. I still don't really understand how it how it truly happened. The memories this guy has left all of us in this sport and sort of the gifts that he's given us. It's so it's so cool. And again, to see him still doing this after 23 years, it's just such a fitting tribute to the FU sort of ethos that I think typified and embodied the sport for a lot of those guys in that early generation where they were just doing this to do this because they would have been fighting in bars anyway. If you're going to pay them to do this, like, all right, that's cool. The fact that he's still going and we're getting this this farewell fight against Nico Price, which I, I crap on UFC matchmaking when I feel like they deserve it, but this is... 
this is a chef's kiss of a farewell fight, right? Like this isn't Robbie Lawler getting thrown up against just like a top five welterweight. This is Robbie Lawler getting a fun fight on the way out, one that he could potentially win. I can't wait for it. I, I I wish he was maybe celebrated a little bit more this week, but it was cool to see the Hall of Fame ceremony last night. Uh, I just at some point it's going to get really emotional for Robbie. It's going to get emotional for me. It's going to get emotional for the, the rest of the staff. I'm just excited for it, and I, I'm glad to be able to celebrate this man one more time before he walks into the sunset because God knows he deserves it, man. That there is only again one on one and few men in this industry I've, I've been doing this a long time and i've interviewed a lot of guys and few men have made me feel more like internally deeply terrified while talking to them and and stared through my soul in a way that robbie lawler would uh when he didn't feel like like answering some of your questions i just love everything about it so so congrats to robbie on the great career and i can't wait to see this last one from him i love that my 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 alternate hot take was that Robbie Lauer is going to start his final post-fight interview by telling a joke and getting everybody to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like all the all the fighter Lawler, like the, the the weight just gets lifted on his shoulders and he's just like, DC, cut it out, quit it, and just goes from there. Oh, man. Good for Robbie Lawler. Can't wait to see that fight and going out on his own and – I would assume that this is not going to be one of those typical MMA retirements where like, oh, well, he might do this. He might do that. I think he's done, man. I think he's done unless someone offers him like millions and millions of dollars. I just think this is this is it. And there you go. All right. Robbie Lawler, Mike Perry, BKFC. Let's go. Come on. BKFC. Do the right thing. Mike Perry, Robbie Lawler. Can no, you actually, imagine really the build up to that? that? I, I super don't want to see that. Actually. Mike Perry's going to sh- sh- try to say things and Robbie's just going to be like, whatever, man. And then like, Mike's going to try and try and Robbie just won't say a word. So Still still um, one of the greatest clips in MMA history. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm going to say. The, the media tour before 189 with Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald, <laughs> and Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo. Well, that was still the fight at that moment. Of, of some news some like random news show or something asking what would happen if connor fought robbie and robbie was standing there next to all of them saying i would take his soul and just saying it with the best <laughs> deadpan coldest ice cold way with connor sitting right there is just oh god i love that man so much oh man someone asked me this on heck of a morning like i'm a casual fan how do i not be a casual fan and one of the first things i told him was just go on ufc fight pass and just watch all the robbie lawler fights and that'll help you that'll get you going and then you'll find other rabbit holes to go down when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Casey, what are the peeps saying? Before I go to the peeps, I just got to show you my favorite Robbie Lawler image ever. Oh, I'm excited for this. Me too. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I was actually, I was in Chicago shooting this. This was a pre-fight press conference. And uh, yeah, there's Robbie Lawler. That's so typical, man. That's so emblematic. That's so emblematic of like what that moment in his career was for him, where it just felt like he wasn't really carrying that much about any of this. And 
Like to see that guy become who he became in that second UFC run is just magical. When you know, yeah, I, I like what you said a lot about Robbie Lawler, and but um, and I totally agree. Like the the fact that he is essentially in the Hall of Fame because of his second half of his of his career, his UFC career. Like, mm-hmm. kind of think of Arlovsky. Arlovsky is probably going to be a UFC Hall of Fame or whatever. But it's really because of the first half. And now we kind of talk about the longevity. But Robbie's the opposite. The first half was it was fun. It was exciting. But the UFC ultimately, ultimately released him. They just go, ah, do your own thing, whatever. We've had, we've had fun with you, Robbie Lawler. And even, even Robbie coming back to the UFC was, at the time, was kind of a, a big shocker. Like, I think his first fight was Josh Koscheck. Am I correct? Yep. Yeah, and he was like and a big underdog. He was going to lose to eighty-five. Big underdog, and at that time, I think this was Robbie. At Robbie making his move back to one seventy. I don't think he fought one seventy yet. I mean, well, originally he was one seventy, but in his strike force lead exceed days, he was all one eighty-five or. So that was just a complete shocker. That was like, whoa. So maybe we kind of thought, oh, I guess he got lucky against Koscheck. This was still Koscheck when he was, you know, still relatively in his prime. Um, I was at the fight when he fought Tim Kennedy. Um, and Tim Kennedy was you no know, a very good middleweight at the time. Of course, he was he was top ten. But I remember just Lauder just I don't want to say quitting, but looked like he just didn't. He was like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna lose care. this fight." Okay, yeah, and I he just didn't care. And it's like, and I thought he was done as a has a has an elite fighter. I mean, we'll see him around. He's always gonna be exciting if he's in those type of matchups, but. Um, that's the thing. If I if I was to tell you that night, because that was the Fedor card, right? The Fedor versus Dan Henderson card, I think. It might have been, yeah. I think yeah. so. If I was to tell you that night that like, hey, Casey, in like four years, so not even like soon, but in like four years, the guy you just watched lose is about to put on like one of the coolest UFC yeah. title runs we'll ever see ever. Like you would have thought I was insane. That's the And that's the crazy part about Robbie Lawler. Sorry to cut you off, but like when he did all of this – he was on year fourteen, man. He was that, yeah. on like year this fourteen. This is the second like, half of his, his past his prime, essentially. Well, for most people, doesn't make sense. And um, and Robbie Lawler also, like, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to talk to him, um, talk to him, you know, out of fight week or whatever. Much different person, but during fight week, not because he brings a certain intensity, but like, he just looks annoyed. Like I've never been more nervous. To shoot an interview yeah. of someone than Robbie Lawler because uh, you'll see him before. You know, Robbie's like, hey, what's up? You know, he talk. You're like, all right, I gotta do my job now. It's like, ah, oh, I press record, and all of a sudden he's like, yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> just one but of then, like two yeah. times I've ever been scared mid-interview because it was just so, the way the guy was looking at me. Like it's yeah. just, it's, and it's not like he's like, I, like I'm gonna beat you up or anything. It's just like, it's like I'm like. You're just you're just annoying him by taking away his time. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, ah, Robbie Lawler, freaking legend, love it, man. Right. All right, questions. Uh, uh, Casey, before you go, I just want to say, if if one were to not that you should don't bet on MMA ever, if one were to take the all short notice opponents uh, parlay. If you went Cameron Simon, Cameron Simon to Zero Tyra, Jack Della Madalena, Bo Nickel. Oh. Minus two thirteen. That's actually not bad. If you're so oh, confident oh, that none of these short notice the guys favorites. Gotcha. Oh, favorites, favorites, yeah. favorites. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry, so about to hit us with the parlay of the underdogs, and I was like, Oh, oh listen, if you if you parlay the other number. way, I think five I think five dollars would win you like eight thousand dollars or something like that. So I would I would not recommend that either, because you're just throwing away five dollars. 
but surprisingly, if you take all the favorites in those matchups, Cameron Simon, Tyra, Della Madalena, and Nickel, minus 213. So if you're so confident that none of those short notice guys can win, I'm just saying, don't do it. Don't bet. DraftKings.com. Uh, promo code the MMA. If don't you're curious it. on topology, um, the the biggest underdog, I guess, is um, Harwell with uh, only 3% of people picking Harwell. Oh, wait. Wait, no. What? What's the Nickel Woodburn? Nickel, oh, 6%. Uh, what, Woodburn's at 6%. And um, what? Ch- Chiris is at 6% too. AKA, I looked it up for you. Uh huh. On DraftKings, $5 would net you (laughs) $18,739.50. The odds are $18,000. Yes, the odds are plus $374,690. Mike, all those if you could do me a favor, and that's still thrown away five bucks, I feel <laughs> you're just throwing away five dollars. Don't do it. I'm terrible at math, math, Mike. If you could just do me a favor, replace that five with a hundred. If you put a hundred dollars on this, what, what is, <laughs> are you saving the life? Like, Jaheen, what, are what are you doing? People are listening to this. <laughs> it's not as big as you would think. Uh, uh-huh. It's only three hundred seventy three hundred seventy four thousand seven hundred ninety dollars. Oh. That's a house. Don't do that. You can buy a house. Only like half a mil, almost. All right. Yes. People don't do. People don't even do two dollars. Use there, that two dollars. I spent a hundred dollars on worse things than that. <laughs> no, you have. This is just. This is burning a hundred dollars. It won't happen. If you want to just do fifty, I try to sneak that one in. Fifty still a hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollars. If you just put fifty bucks on it, don't do it. That's you could use that fifty dollars in something useful. Don't do it. Yeah, like Wait. potentially winning life-changing money. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, look at you started, AK. The life-changing uh, parlay. Don't gamble. Uh, don't gamble. Oh, on the that life-changing man. parlay. See, we even got a name for it. I love this. Yeah. All right. Uh, just since we were talking about the Trailblazers earlier, I just want to throw this up there. Thank you. Yeah, man. This Dame stuff is so dumb. Glide to glide, man. No, I'm with the Dame people. Clifford Robinson? I mean, those Blazers names are nasty. Dude, Bill Walton won a title for them. Like, come on. He played like three seasons for them. Relax. He played like three seasons. Relax on the Bill Walton. Dame hasn't won a Western Conference Finals game. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. His his, his management is incompetent. I'm off Team Dame. I actually do think I, – I didn't want to jump in there and make it a whole separate thing. I actually think Dame is the best trailblazer. I mean, Clyde Drexler is probably – him or Bill Walton. Right. Yeah, it's Clyde, it's Clyde or Bill. It's, it's, not, Bill. it's not Bill Walton. It is not Bill Walton. He did not play it. It's up. not Scottie Pippen either. It's like me saying Kawhi is the greatest Rasheed rapper. Wallace, baby. Come on. Yeah. Ooh, that's, Come a good on one. that's a good one. Um, of all the fights on this card, the one fight we didn't talk about at all is actually – be outside of a title fight, the most important fight as far as title ramifications, and that would be uh, Whitaker DDP. So, what do we think? Predictions aside, who would you guys rather see Izzy fight? DDP for the hype or Whitaker for the competition? I think this is a no brainer. I'm actually down for both, but I think this is a no brainer. AK, DDP or Whitaker? Who would I rather see fight? I mean, DDP all the way. I did, yeah, DDP all the way. I I I yeah. like Robert Whitaker. I love Robert Whitaker. If it were up to me, he would get another title fight someday, whether it's against Israel Adesanya. I just love his attitude. I love how he approaches everything in fighting. He's one of the realest people out there. He's so cool, and he's an exciting fighter. I mean, we're just talking about. He's one of. The, I love watching Robert Whitaker fight. So I love everything about him. But I have seen him fight Izzy twice. 
Um, I, it's, I see people weird, weirdly like retroactively calling the second fight not a robbery, but saying like Rob had a super strong case for winning. I don't remember mm. that. Maybe I just haven't watched in a long time. He didn't do badly. Yeah. Expected, he and so they almost yeah. gave him like too much credit. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't blown out by any means, but I remember being very comfortable saying that that was an easy decision win. And I probably watched it again like around when it happened. I haven't watched it in a while. So maybe I'm wrong, but I, I know retroactively I've seen a lot of people going like, oh, well, Robert, you know, you could have, you could have, he could have won that second fight. I'm like, I don't think he did though. So yeah, I have to go DDP. Fresh matchup. Uh, I like the beef between them. I, the apartheid stuff and whatever the history of the heritage. Uh, it's it's neither of them is very good at like just talking about that and probably shouldn't. I hope it doesn't come up too much again. Should that matchup be made? Um, but I do like just a general animosity between them. I think that's legit. And uh, a lot of people think, seem to think Izzy would just be a, a highlight real knockout waiting to happen if he fought uh, DDP. And I'm in, I'm all for that too. I love watching Izzy uh, clown people. So so add that aspect is fun to me as well. So I um, love Rob, but I need to, I'd love to see the DDP fight. According to MMA decisions, th- I'm, not, I'm just kind of guessing about – 80% of people had Adesanya winning, but there are five media members um, who did have Whitaker winning. So I guess the fight was a little closer than maybe I remember, but uh, I don't remember walking away thinking that was anything close to yeah. a robbery. Yeah. Again, it was one of those things where he kind of like exceeded people's expectations. And so he almost gets like an extra credit point there in like people's scorecards. But I do think, Casey, what you were saying until set this up of like, we haven't even talked about this fight. Yeah. I think that speaks to like a lot of what's wrong with this it, it, fight, it's right? The most important, of the matchmaking, the most important and, fight in the card, you know, outside of title fights. Well, yeah, yeah, but that speaks to like what yeah. people think of this fight, right? Like, if if no one took a bold prediction that DDP is going to win, it just feels like we kind of know what this is going to look like, and it's going to be bum. It's going to kind of bum us out because we missed a really interesting rivalry that we could have had. Yeah, look, anything can happen in that octagon. I I totally get it, and. DDP can have all the nose surgeries he wants, but he's still going to get punched in the face a million times in this fight. Like you can't, like nose surgery doesn't prevent you from getting punched in the face. You just breathe better as you're getting hit. And he is just not solid defensively. And Whitaker knows that he's going to hit him a lot. So I just, I don't think this fight's all that competitive, which is a bummer because DDP versus Adesanya would be kind of electric because we would get really fun, pissed off Adesanya for however long that fight lasts. But who knows? Maybe DDP gets it done. I kind of like Jed's theory. DDP with the if you're gonna sit there and go with the with the nose job and being able to breathe through the pain, just go goes a beat and just go bananas for ten minutes and then just run away for five and hang on and win the decision. Yeah, uh, and and that's this fight has actually been one of my big issues with this card in general. Just I just it, like we said, it's such a it's such a technical like technically it's an important fight, but it's not. And we didn't talk about. It. I, I just find that so weird, but also makes sense. Um, yeah, uh, I'm 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 just I got kind of annoyed even thinking about this fight. <laughs> yeah, like that's the vibe of it. It's just like slightly annoying that yeah. we're it's why it's yeah. happening. Did did I miss anything? Did, did has Dana? Not that his word really matters. Or did did he say anything about this fight? As far as like, uh, Whitaker actually can get the shot if he wins. Yeah, when, when they announced it, he announced this is a number one contender fight, which is we rarely rarely hear that. Yeah, which but it also doesn't mean anything too because yeah, um, because oh, they have actually, to turn around in two months to fight, and Strickland just 
cruise to a win. So Strickland's in this mix too, depending on how the, if th- these two just go hammer and tongs and they're both bloody messes, Strawn Strickland's getting title fight. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. There's, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But even if Whitaker wins this fight or wins this fight rather convincingly, it's still, there's no guarantees that he'll still take that fight versus Izzy. Cause going oh and three against izzy then you're done done but like and i mean he just had to go through a big fight camp we don't know if it's just it's another big fight camp and to go into another the most important fight of your career i don't know if yeah this this is a dumb fight i'm just, there's so many issues i have of it oh but what i want to ask fight, it's, it's put it's it's a dumb date because then it puts date. a weird timeline on yeah everything about it is just weird yeah just oh i want to ask actually real quick um Volk gets lots of criticism for, okay, for especially from someone like Jed. Oh, you beat Max Holloway three times. Okay, we get it. Is Izzy, is Izzy kind of in the same boat, too, if he faces Whitaker a third time and beats Whitaker a third time? You know what I mean? As far as, far as like, his greatness? Because we kind of take away from Volk because he beat the same guy three times, even though it was someone awesome like Max. Does you know what I'm trying to say? Does it does it kind of yeah. take away from Izzy's? It wouldn't t- it like, wouldn't take away, but it wouldn't add to him. It, it wouldn't be a thing like oh he beat uh, oh, there you go he beat Whitaker third time now now he's Anderson Silva if he beats Whitaker no, three times does not. no I mean does that's not. out of that's gone like that's not happening. Like, and I, I guess that's why something like Izzy probably doesn't want to fight Whitaker, and I get that because if he fights if he beats DDP, even though we consider DDP a lesser opponent than Whitaker, then he is kind of closer to that Anderson Silva kind of level. I don't know. I just think it's interesting the how we look also, at though, like, fights like is this. He, the, 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 see, the problem with like Vulcan, like it's not a problem, but like I guess the problem with like the way that we almost have to talk about the resume when it comes to the Holloway stuff is like the, he hasn't beaten – like he hasn't had a chance to fight a lot of the other guys in this division because of the Max thing and because of how long that took, right? Like outside right. of that – who else is he beating his title run? Brian Ortega in the Korean Zombie. Like that's that's, that's the it. title run. That's it. Just because the Max thing took so long. Like Izzy has still been able to rack up a bunch of different guys in this division because he's super active and you know it, the the Rod things only happen twice. So that's just the tough part with Volk with, with this whole Holloway thing. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because even Izzy was just putting out, putting names out there. Like Volk was like, "Someone show me something." And Adesanya's like. You know what? That Jared Cannonier guy seems pretty cool. Someday we're going to fight for the belt. Marvin Vittori, I don't like him, but someday we're going to fight for the belt. Paulo Costa, hate that dude, but if he wins the next fight, we're going to fight for the belt. Like, I want to fight Yoel Romero someday in my life, and guess what? He fought Yoel Romero. He put these ideas out there. He just fought a whole slew of different guys, and Whitaker... I mean, he fought Vittori twice, and this would be the third title fight with Whitaker, but he's just fighting guys. Like, they're offering dudes, and he's taking them, so... I kind of feel for Whitaker because even if he does win, I think the UFC is going to kind of force his hand. Like, dude, if you want to fight, this is what you've been saying. You want this third fight. You think there was a chance. Everyone thought you were crazy. We're giving it to you, but you got to take it. What if Whitaker says no? You think they'll ever give him a shot again? I don't know. It's going to be a lot. It's going to take a lot for Whitaker to get another shot. So maybe it's tricky. That'd be tough. <laughs> no, the Wait, there getting fought, the there fought, yeah. right. All right. All right. Well, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, also, imagining DDP actually defeating Whitaker still, my, my brain can't <laughs> doesn't work in my brain. You know, you try it's to visualize possible. fights. That'd be Would, tell yeah, me, tell yeah, me how does it work. Visualize it. Sell it to me. Sell it to me. AK. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> don't so know. let me throw this to you. Let me let me pose this to I you. I don't know. <laughs> what would be more shocking to you, DDP winning in like a pretty emphatic way? 
or Bo Nickel losing? I guess to me, ZDP winning would kind of be more shocking. Just because Bo's so Because we don't know. Right? Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, go DVD winning. Because right? Bo Nickel, I could see getting caught with something. Yeah. Now, if Bo Aaron Nickel got out-wrestled and grounded out and like submitted on the ground, that would be something different. But if Bo Nickel just gets hit with an overhand by homeboy, okay, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's Robert Whitaker. He's got, you know, he doesn't get just hit with random shots, you know. If DDP wins a 30, like a 30-27, like one-sided decision, that would be the most shocking thing. Could I see yes. DDP like rock him, sock him, just land something insane? Like any, like we've seen Anything. weird things happen. Yeah. But if he just goes out there and just works Bobby Knuckles for three rounds and like 30-26s him, that would be stunning. I'd be like, what the hell just happened? That, that would, would be, be a different surprising. fighter, though. That, that wouldn't yeah. be, that would be someone else coming out there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just this new nose. No surgery. Yeah, no, yeah, new nose. Gotta believe it. Mythical fighter. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you don't know. This wow. is the start of the greatest middleweight run we've ever seen. He's about to do it's, everything. Hey, he's got to start sometime. Be unbelievable. He can, he can breathe now. Oops. Oops. Sorry. I on wrong screen. Any update on the bandage under Volk's eye? I have no idea what that's about. Um, he said it on MMA Hour, actually. Uh, he said it was just a – he said it wasn't a cut. He said it was like a deep scratch. And okay. he just didn't – he wanted to, he didn't want to risk any sort of um, staph infection or any sort of just whatever getting into it. That's what he said. He hasn't revealed it or shown anything on it. But I'm assuming – yeah, that's He's what take he said. That on off, and there's just going to be a really sweet face tat that he just didn't wear. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> For the, the final face tattoo. off, he just gets he just gets in Yair's that's, face. That's, that's the of, yeah. <laughs> is it his own face or is that Yair's face? Oh, Ooh, it's really good. Know. Maybe I mean, it's Yair, it's the really good. Belt, because the band aid's like the belt. Maybe it's just the UFC <laughs> belt underneath it. That's the tattoo. I think he's bringing back the uh, the Nelly. You guys remember the Nelly early 2000s uh, bandage? On I'm, the a fan. I'm a I'm a big fan of like champions who show up to every single title fight just looking a little different, just like a little tweak to their look. Like I, I like Band Aid Volk. Like just come <laughs> to the next fight with, with something else. New Mi Mystic Fighter Blonde Band Aid Volk. Yeah. Blonde Dan big Hooker. beard or something. Like I'm here for it. Uh, okay, back to Bo Nickel. If Bo Nickel loses tomorrow, will that be the biggest upset in MMA history? He's minus 2,500 to win. He's expected to basically Ronda Rousey-esque uh, his opponent. Uh, so if you look at DraftKings, um, if it closes at this, he will not be the biggest favorite in UFC history. Uh, that title will still belong to Alexander Romanov. Uh, Bo Nickel down to a minus 2,100 now. So, Wait, Romanov, What was Romanov? Minus 2,300, I believe. Over? Chase Sherman. Chase. Jeez. Okay. What about underdog wise though? What, what about a like plus weird right person now? to have that that yeah. title? That's so strange. I see. Yeah, Woodburn, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. What a great Woodburn line plus eleven hundred. Yeah. Uh, has there been a bigger than a plus eleven hundred underdog? I think so. What, what big Nicole, Tuna was. I remember Big Tuna being a gigantic underdog when he got oh, his Bellator. Bellator win. Yeah. Oh, and Bellator. Oh, there's oh, there's been a bigger odds in other promotions for sure. I think I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. UFC. Yeah, we're talking about UFC. Oh no, this is MMA history. This is MMA history. So no, no, there have been no. Oh, no, not MMA history. I think uh, we have yeah. Soldier Jew, Big Nog was like up there, something crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just any any fighter who is four fights deep into his career losing, that cannot be the biggest upset in the sports history, just purely on that fact that someone is. Oh, yeah. Up. I thought he just meant like up. mathematically. I thought he was just asking us to like dig up the oh, biggest mathematically, odds, like, yeah, yeah, odds yeah. mathematically. No, yeah. If we're going historically and like context, just going off of context, like, no.
no, no. Yeah, like if Woodburn okay. wins tomorrow, I think we'll be talking a lot about it. But I don't think at the end of the year we're going to be going, and we saw the greatest upset in MMA history. You know, I just don't think that's going to yeah. happen. It'll be big. It'll be big. Well, let's no, make it. I mean, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a big it's story. Be, it's one we will remember. It'll be it's for the week. Yeah. But I don't think it's it's got legs for the whole year type of like. I or, think you know, I, I, I'll disagree with that. I think if this Ooh. happened, it's one we would we would point to for a long time. We would point to for a long time as far as like someone being the most so hyped, someone having such a great like combat sports pedigree for kind of the UFC. Like we we would point to it. We we it would be it would be a, a touchstone. I think we just wouldn't like it wouldn't like blow our minds every time every time we brought it up. We'd be like, man, I can't remember when would like it wouldn't be like that. It'd be more like it would give us important context. It'd be instructive. For like pushes it'd be instructive yeah i think that, that's yeah. that's what i should use so we, we, it, we it would be memorable it is not something i think that if this happened we just like wouldn't talk about it two years from now it, it would keep coming up it's the kind of upset that would keep coming up yeah i mean just think about the contender series fallout from the class of 2022 bo nickel and raul rosas jr both losing in 2023 oh yeah yikes who hype's who, a hell of a thing it's who a hell was of a the thing. last who was I guess Roses, yeah. I was thinking, who's the last guy that got super hyped where we're like, oh, he should win this fight in 10 seconds and then winds up. Oh, you know what was a big one? You know what was a big one that did get forgotten? Agapova and Shannon Dobson. That's good. Yeah, um, I don't feel like people like, were talking about Agapova like that. They weren't talking about it. Yeah, this was more like a, a, it, was a it was a big upset for sure. But, uh, what, but Agapova, like, but it was more about Shannon Dobson. People didn't consider Shannon Dobson that Agapova elite, was, I think. You, can, you say that, Casey, like brings back like Sage Northcutt vibes to me of like – Hey, here's like a 19-year-old, 20-year-old who's just demolishing people. He's the next guy. He's doing crazy flips. Like whatever that forward flip that he would always do was like I would break my brain. And then he it's like, oh, he's actually just mediocre. Yeah. Hey, don't say that about Sage. He was like the he was like the complete hey, opposite of Raul Rose. Raul Rose is like, end of the year, I'll be the champion. And Sage is like, oh, golly gee, like, I'm so happy to be here. Like, well, whatever the UFC wants, I'll yeah. be, I'm happy to do all that. Like, it was the complete it, opposite. That's a different Sage that never tried to sell himself as this guy. He's just like, hey, I'm just doing my thing. And, and I'm, I love pizza. Yeah. You know what? That, that brings up <laughs> just a different tangent I want to hit real quick because that just brings up the memory of this. Do you guys kind of miss the old International Fight Week setup where it'd be like three events? Cause that was really oh, fun. Oh, multiple fight week. Yeah, multiple fights that. in the week. Yeah, I love that. Cause it was, that, that, that's what was missing this week. Related. That was missing this It would week. make right. things feel so yeah. big. And it would I be know. like on Thursday, you get all the prospects. Like you get the Sage and Page show that one year. And then on Friday, you get something else. Like I, I think it was like Dos Anjos versus Alvarez or something. Yeah, it's like a freaking Saturday, title fight. Get, a, a lightweight title fight. It just felt like a marathon in a way that like this just oh. kind of feels we We worked that fight week. I remember we worked that with the three. It was. It was so good. It was hell. But it was awesome. Yeah. You know, like work wise, I was like, oh my God. But um But by the end of the week, like you're at the big fight, the big event, and it's it feels like everything is properly escalated to like, oh my God, we're about to see Connor Mendez or or whatever, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but guys, now you get sixteen fight cards in sixteen in sixteen weeks. So I mean, come on, it's better now. It's it's better than it is now. And uh, for the record, the biggest upset in MMA of all time is still George, uh, Matt Sarah, George St. Pierre. I will never back off this. I will never back on this. It is the biggest upset. I still, I still put Pena noon, noons right. Amanda noon is right there. I don't know. It's I probably number two. It's probably number two. Where do you put? Where do you put Holly Ronda? Because, is it different? Thirty. I. And the day Holly of. Holly was going to win. I don't huh? know. I like. I put money on Holly in that. Like I thought she was going to. win I picked that. Holly to win that fight. So I don't. Yeah. I don't consider it. That, 
but yeah. know, I'm just talking about more of the general world how they and this I mean. this isn't this isn't any like in retrospect thing because i think if you go back to a lot of prediction pieces from that time and a lot of like you could it just listen the internet's forever there's i'm sure there's youtube videos a lot of people said like holly's like a really stylistically tough matchup for her and she's like by far the betting odds do tell a different story the betting odds were heavily heavily ronda's favor like crazy she was a huge 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 favorite uh holly was a pretty heavy underdog but if you like the, a lot of the media was on holly a lot of the media was like yeah home could be the one to end this so so this isn't a hindsight 2020 thing like this was at the time people thought also because if you remember like the vibes that week were real weird on ronda's side on ronda's side it, yeah. it felt really strange like something was about to happen the way she was acting throughout the way that in whole week. the way in yeah oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, right. takes a lot of energy to be a rock star, guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only reason she lost. It's the only reason she lost. What's you know what? Like that. That's like I understand what he's trying to say in that line. Like that yes. line gets maligned, but like I totally understand but, what he. But was he said it. He said it at the weirdest point in the fight, time. though. It was when long he said time. it. Like like Rondo was just getting pieced up, and he was like. Well, clearly it's because all those media interviews she did being a rock star. Like it was like if he would say that coming like while she was walking out of the tunnel or something, that would make sense. But like time and place, Goldberg. <laughs> oh, God, that fight's so fun to watch. That was such a crazy moment. Because the build up uh, to that, the build up to that knockout was like you, you felt it coming. It was just uh, it was great. Uh, do 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 do. We good. Um, we're at uh, an hour and a half. We got to get out of here. Yeah, we're good. good. Uh, I mean, I'll find one more. One, one more. Uh, we got we got people's refights out tomorrow. More questions. Yeah. Send us out. Oh, real quick, just because oh boy, I keep running the wrong screen. Sorry, I get too excited. Where's the tea from, Casey? Oh yeah, this is this this Genki Sudo shirt is from Scramble. They are a wonderful wonderful MMA apparel brand based out of the UK and. It's a photo taken by the great Susumu Nagao, a Japanese photographer. Nice. That is where it's from. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're good. I yep. think we're good. Yeah, we're good. We're yeah, good. I think we're good. All right, hit the music. We are done. Uh, tomorrow going to be a busy one, everybody. We got the People's Pre-Fight Show, I think at 5.15 p.m. Eastern, unless something falls off and they push the fight card back. Uh, and then Watch Party, 9.45 p.m. Eastern, Back in the studio, myself and GC. Very excited for that. Well, the post-fight show, AK and I, get your coffee ready. We're going to go live for on to the next one, and it's going to be early, so get ready for that. So we will have all of your UFC 290 needs covered. Jose is boots on the ground. Ceremonial weigh-ins. Jorge Mazadal is about to do a press conference, so you can find that on our YouTube channel as well. And all the winners, all the shenanigans, all the craziness that is International Fight Week. All along here at MAFighting.com. We are done. Casey, thank you for the ones and twos. For Shaheen, for AK, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.